You're listening to Give Me the Bible with Len. Today's topic is entitled Dual Names. Hello again, my radio friends. I'm glad you've joined me again to hear more from God's holy word, the Bible. It's probably not politically correct, but my father gave all us children nicknames. My sister was called Joe. My older brother was at first Fritz and then later Iron. I was known as Lamb, but later called Honor. And my young brother was at first called Tacky and later called Taff. None of us children resented being called by nicknames. In fact, we probably liked it. Alas, my dad is no longer with us. If it was, it would be a joy to have him address us by our nicknames. I regard it as a privilege to have had the nickname Lamb. The reason is that my hero, Jesus, was also called Lamb. It's not so obvious in our modern day and age, but names have meanings. My own name means as brave as a lion. I'm not sure if I deserve such a name, and I'm not sure if those are characteristics that I actually have. But in the case of my hero, Jesus, there were aspects of his life which totally qualified him to bear such a name. In this program, I'd like to trace the history and reasons why Jesus was called the Lamb. Firstly, let us identify what a lamb is like. As you may remember, in my childhood, I grew up on a mixed farm, and we kept sheep. Lambs were fun. They were gentle. They were innocent. And they were the means by which the farmer earned his livelihood, because they eventually grew into adults. You could say that the farmer was dependent on his lambs. And as lambs grow, they are slaughtered and eaten by humans. They become an essential ingredient in human diet. Just before Jesus began his public ministry, he went down to the Jordan River to be baptised by John. As Jesus approached, John saw him and proclaimed, Behold the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. And you can read that for yourself in John chapter 1 verse 29. Not only was John stating who Jesus was, but he also identified what Jesus' mission was. And we'll deal with that a little later on. Did you realise that practically all the prophecies in the Old Testament point toward Jesus? And many of the prophecies in the New Testament are about him also. Today 
we will look at the scriptures to see what the description of Jesus as the Lamb of God means and how the name Lamb fits in with Jesus. Back in the time of Abraham, whom the Jews say was the father of their nation, and, by the way, the Arabs make the same claim about Abraham, Abraham is told by God to take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Mount Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I'll tell you about. Now this was a most unusual and strange request. Isaac was the child of promise, and his birth was nothing less than a miracle. Abraham and Sarah, his wife, had waited many years for this child. Abraham was a hundred years old and Sarah was ninety, well over her childbearing time, when Isaac was born. Now here was God telling Abraham to take his pride and joy, Isaac, who was still a young boy, to go to some distant place and offer him up as a burnt sacrifice. Unbelievable! Yet Abraham trusted God and set about to do what he was told. I'll read to you from Genesis 22, from verse 9. It says, When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham builded an altar and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Here am I, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God, because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Straight afterwards, Abraham saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket. This ram was then killed and placed on the altar and sacrificed. Why did Abraham obey such a bizarre command of God? Why make the sacrifice on a mountain? Was Isaac afraid? And if so, why didn't he run away? Strange as this story might seem, it is a type, a story that illustrates a real event that took place later on. Abraham obeyed God out of respect and love for him. Love was the key issue. If Abraham did not love God, then he would not have obeyed. It's as simple as that. I think that Abraham would have been quite upset, very sad and extremely puzzled, as he and Isaac made their way to Mount Moriah. Jesus, as you probably know, did what he did, purely out of the motive of love. 
If not, he would not have given his perfect life to save sinners such as us. Isaac was a type of Christ. He obeyed his father. He did not run away. Although he did not look forward to forfeiting his life as a sacrificial sin offering. We know Jesus was extremely stressed just before he was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. In anguish he prayed to his father, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet, not as I will, but as you will. Why was the sacrifice made on a mountain? I don't really have a good answer for that, except that Jesus died as the sacrifice for fallen humanity on a hill, Golgotha. The fact that Abraham was told to make a sacrifice on a mountain is a type or a similar pattern for the sacrifice of Christ. The sheep, a male, a ram, that was eventually sacrificed at Moriah, represents Jesus also, a male without defect. There's another similarity between what happened at Moriah and what happened at Calvary. The Lord provided the sacrifice at Moriah, and the Lord provided the sacrifice for the whole of humanity. There was nothing mankind could do to save himself from his sins. The Lord provided. Abraham named that spot at Moriah, the Lord will provide. Where Jesus died for humanity was called Calvary. What a fantastic thing for God to do. I'm grateful for that, and I hope you are too. The next biblical reference to a lamb was what happened in Egypt regarding the ten plagues that came upon the Egyptians because of the stubbornness of Pharaoh the king. The tenth plague was when all the firstborn children, or all the firstborn, were destroyed in one single night. All the firstborn died except where the people, the Israelites, who were told to kill a lamb and paint the lintel and doorposts of their homes with the blood. The people were to roast and eat the lamb that night, and the next day they were free. Without the lamb's blood, the firstborn in that home would have died. It was due to the blood of the lamb that the people gained their freedom. And that's how it is with sin. Sinners are captives of sin. But when someone accepts the forgiveness that God offers us through the sacrifice and death of Jesus Christ, we are freed. It is as Jesus said in John chapter 8 verses 34 to 36. I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it for forever. So if the son sets you free, 
you will be free indeed. It's a real blessing to be freed from the guilt that comes with sin. And it's a double blessing because you're free to do what is good and right. And that brings peace and satisfaction. Sin might have a certain amount of pleasure for a short while, but its pleasures are fleeting, and so there has to be more, more, and more. The peace that comes from obeying God is lasting, satisfying, and enervating. Now, the third reference to a lamb comes from Isaiah 53, verse 7. Isaiah was given a prophecy about the coming Messiah, Jesus. The Bible says, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. We're going to have a break and go on straight afterwards.
Just before the break, I was reading to you from the book of Isaiah, chapter 53 and verse 7. And the last bit said that just as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he, that's Jesus, the lamb, opened not his mouth. And that's exactly how it was leading up to the crucifixion of Christ. Jesus did not curse or swear or loudly proclaim his innocence. Matthew's Gospel records what happened when Jesus was being tried by Pilate, the provincial governor. The Jews accused Jesus of all kinds of things, the main one being blasphemy. And Matthew twenty-seven, thirteen, and 14 records what happened. Then Pilate said to him, Do you hear how many things they testify against you? But Jesus answered him not one word, so that the governor marveled greatly. Do you realize that the Old Testament has approximately 350 prophecies about Jesus? And all of them, not just a few, but all of them have come to pass. To me, that's a wonderful indicator that the Bible is indeed a book from God and that we should take notice of it. The last lamb reference that I'm going to share with you today is from Revelation, the last book in the Bible. By this time, the lamb is presented as a victor, someone who had humbled himself in order to provide for others and came through successfully. But the Revelation description of the Lamb is that he triumphed and won a significant conquest. Revelation 5 starts out this way, And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. So I wept much, because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or look at it. But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Behold, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and loose its seven seals. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne, and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb, as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Then he, the Lamb, Jesus, came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Then the beings around the throne broke out in a song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honour and glory 
and blessing. Have you ever seen a ceremony where the governor or premier or some other important person gives out awards for bravery? Some people have been recognised for having done very self-sacrificing deeds to help save others. Let's use, for example, the Victoria Cross, the most prestigious medal awarded for bravery in the armed services. Who is worthy to receive such an award? The only one who is worthy is the one who did the brave deed. In this scene in Revelation presented by John, the one who is worthy is none other than Jesus. He gave his life to save others. He alone is worthy. But did you notice when I read that those texts to you that Jesus was given another name? Do you remember what it was? It was the Lion of the tribe of Judah. So what is so significant about this name? Worldwide, the lion is known as the king of the beasts. The lion is featured on many insignias of various countries as it symbolizes strength, dignity and power. Jesus is both the lamb and the lion. He did what no one else could ever do and was the means by which fallen mankind could be saved. In Christian circles, Jesus is often presented as a lamb. What is most concentrated on is his meekness, his innocence, his gentleness and his tender love. But he is more than that. He is king. He is victor. And it is to him that all people who have ever lived on the face of the planet Earth are answerable to. Why? because he gave his life for each and every one who has ever lived. He will be our judge. He has a record of how we've lived and what we've done with his sacrifice. Have we wasted it, disregarded, or have we treasured and accepted it? You know, you can't fool God. You may pretend to be righteous and cover up your wrongs, but everything we do is exposed to God. And Jesus is our judge. And if we spurn the sacrifice he made for us, we will not be given eternal life. The second to last chapter of the Bible, Revelation 21, says this at the end. It is a description of the city where God dwells, New Jerusalem. The Bible says, But I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. But there shall by no means enter it anything that defiles, or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Now tell me, what are you doing with the sacrifice made for you? Are you grateful 
and are honouring the one who did so much for you? Or do you disdain what has been done for you? Remember, the lamb is also the lion. You might think a lamb won't be any trouble to deal with, but the lion, ah, that's another matter. The best way to deal with the lion is to be a follower of the lamb. Give yourself to him. That's the best way, the safe way, the way that leads to eternal life. And on those thoughts, it's time to stop. God bless you, my friends, and I hope you join me again next week. And until then, I wish you peace and joy and happiness.